Just in the last week or so, I heard this a reminder of this uh, phrase that I think was in the book Good to Great. If you haven't read that book, it's, it's an awesome secular book, but has all godly principles in it, and the, the author of it is a guy who loves the Lord. And, uh, but it, he made the statement, something like, never waste a good crisis. Are we in one? Yeah, we're, we're in one. Anybody ever been in them before? Uh, how many good ones that we were in before did we waste? You get it? Like, man, there's so much to be learned in these times about what really matters, about what truth really is, what you really believe. I mean, everything is tested in crisis. Most of the time when my crises, crises came, crisi, I would like be in a place where first I would grab at everything that I knew to be able to sustain it. Work harder, fix that, lie. I don't know. Just to get out from under something. Crisis. Get out from under it. Fix it. Get it past me. Man, I wasted a lot of them. <laughs> Because the Lord is trying to show us things in these crises that will make a difference for us. And so I don't want us in this place to waste this. Because this is a real unique opportunity. We've never been through something like this. It's unique to all of us. Everyone is affected. So how are you weathering this storm? What's, what's got God, what does God have for you in it? I want to start with some scripture, and this is really kind of, uh, hopefully share a little of my testimony in the mix of this, but in Mark 10, uh, Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem. A man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm guessing that this guy, he may have been in a crisis because he came running up to him. Right? And he knelt down to him, so he, he was desperate for something. He must have had some fear. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like, how can I be, how can I escape this mess? Right? How can I? And he says, why do you call me good? He said, knelt down and said, good teacher. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, but to your question, you must, you know the commandments. Must not murder must not commit adultery, must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, and honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I got that. I'm, I'm, I'm good there. I've done all those things. Amen? He says, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. It's like you can see now that Jesus is looking at him from a different perspective than how he's seeing things right here. He has no idea, right? He's responding to, to Jesus and responding and like, I, I, you know, I got this. I don't get it. I got this. I got this. And, and Jesus is like, I see this from a totally different perspective and he's not getting it. So he says, there's still one thing you haven't done. Can you imagine? It's like, okay, 
It's just one more thing, right? Just one thing. I just got to do this one thing. He's told him, go and sell all your possessions, give your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Just, just this one thing. <laughs> well, the, at this, the man's face fell. It was like, oh, crap. <laughs> you, can't, you can't mean that. You can't mean that everything that I have, I have to give up. Because I've worked so hard for all of this stuff. Right now, there's people that worked really hard for a lot of stuff. And it's being challenged. Can I keep it? What do I do with it? I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. You can't mean that I have to be willing to give up all this. Many people right now are in deep depression over this. I could lose everything. I may not have a job. How am I going to pay for my next mortgage or rent payment? How am I going to get groceries? What if I get sick? Where can I go? Where am I safe? What must I, what must I do? Mm. There's so, it's all around us. Is this thing called fear and this fear of the unknown. What's going to happen to my this? His, he went away sad because he had many possessions. Think of where his security came from. Is his security being questioned right now? It's not, it's not his identity. He's been a good guy. He's done the right things. He's done all of those things. But now, now he's being challenged at his capacity. I've done all this, and you're telling me to get rid of all this. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Well, then who in the world can be saved? Well, first of all, the camel entering through the eye of a needle is a reference to when you entered into the wall around Jerusalem, the, they called the entrance to that the needle, the eye of the needle, and a camel would have to get down low onto its like knees and scoot through that entrance. It's not literally a camel going through the eye of a needle. Follow me? But it's like having to bow down. Can you see that? The bowing down that would have to take place for that camel to get low enough to be able to go through the eye of the needle. It's easier for what? A rich man, right? No. This rich man. Why is it so hard? They asked, who can be saved then? He says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. So looking again at, don't waste this crisis. 
don't waste this crisis thinking about how you're going to hang on to what you got. Don't waste this crisis being nervous about whether or not he's going to be there for you on the other side of this. Because this crisis in and of itself could be the very thing that he is allowing. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but the Lord is going to use it for you to be able to once and for all have your dependency come from him and not you. What a perfect plan. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and God is going to flip the script on this thing. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose, you watch. I've watched miracles just in the last two weeks that have been amazing. Over and over and over and over. When there's a need, it's filled. 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 By the body of Christ, reach out, filled. Reach out, filled. Filled. Not, not, I mean, it's like how he designed it. And for many, they wouldn't have experienced what you experienced this week without having the lack. You with me? Without having the lack, if you have what you need, man, I'm just going to hang on to this and leave me alone. But if you're dependent, not dependent on others, but dependent on Christ and Christ alone, all of a sudden you get to see his hand in it. You see his hand in it. And then it's like, man, you know what? I might be able to weather this. My greatest crisis, my greatest crisis was when I found myself in the treatment facility at 45. That was my greatest crisis. I had nothing left. I had no money. I'm going to jail. I have no family, no friends, no, no house, no job, nothing. Nothing, 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 and nothing, and nothing. It was just me. My relationships, even with Rochelle, she wasn't going to be there. It was just me. And you know what? I didn't like me. I did, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know me. But what I did like, or didn't know, I did not like. So in that place, Jesus, I'm like, God, what must I do? Well, Jay, you're going to have to get rid of your own dependence on you. You're going to have to give up everything else, everything you thought that was important, everything that you thought that was valuable, you've got to give it up right here. And fortunately, I didn't waste that crisis. And, and because I didn't waste that crisis, this one has got nothing on me. You get, you're grasping that? This one has nothing on me because of what Christ has already shown me in the worst of all crises. This has got nothing on you guys, provided that you don't waste this one. Or if you've already leveraged one of the crises and you can stand in this place, and I sense that many of us in here have, that's why we're here today. Because the weapon isn't going to form against us and prosper. We're here because we know we're, we're safe. Not that we're being like, oh, yeah, you hear my heart. We're not trying to say, look at us and not you. No, 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 no. I just don't operate in the same place. It's not right or wrong. It's just that I've been through a lot worse crisis than this. <laughs> I have. I have been much worse. This is nothing I'm telling you straight up, I can smile today. When I was in that place, there was nothing I could do but cry. It was so hard. It was so heavy. But there's many in that place at this very moment that this is their place. This is their place where they don't know what to do. They don't, they're afraid to go outside. 
They're afraid to be around their friends or family. They can't see their kids or grandkids. They, can't, they, they don't even know what to do. Even husband and wives are, are having challenges one to another about what do we do or how do we do this and what, how do we navigate this. And it's not wrong. It's just that there's nobody that can help us through this thing except for him and him alone. He's going to have to t- take us step by step by step. And as he takes you step by step by step and you see that it's in his sustenance and his provision that's carrying you, you'll begin to begin, have a little hop in your get-along again. Because I don't, I don't operate in that place of, what must I do? I've already done it. And not, not like I've arrived or reached perfection, but this is challenging us just like the next crisis will and the next crisis will and the next crisis will. But let's take full advantage of this one to be able to recognize that our capacity does not come from us. It's all him, him and him alone. Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house, relationships, I'll just throw it out there, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or property, for my sake and for the good news, they'll receive now, in return, a hundred times as many houses, as many brothers, sisters, relationships. Don't waste this opportunity for those that would Surrender all of those things that you think are important around you to be able to grab a hold of the goodness of who God is right now in your life and grab a hold of the hem of his garment and begin to walk this thing out. On the other side of this, you're going to see, look at what God did in my life and the next crisis and the next crisis and the next crisis. You're going to have a smile on your kisser just like I do this morning and it's not an arrogance. It's an assurance And I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength, not my trying to prop myself up for you this morning or put on a happy face so you think I'm doing fine. The fact of the matter is I love my life. There's nothing Corona can do about it. It just can't. And I know that that weapon formed against me is trying to take away, steal that from me. I'm not going to let it, because greater is he, right? He's already given us victory over that on the cross, right? So he says, ah. And he says, and in the world to come, that person will have eternal light. But many who are greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem the least important now will be the greatest then. I just love, you know, there's everybody who's got to figure out a way on how they're going to get through this. Man, you turn on the TV. You want to get depressed? Just turn it on, man. You just want, 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 want. And powerful people, doctors, surgeons, politicians, I mean, people that are the greatest, like, all. Oh, you know what? You lead through crisis. You don't motivate through crisis. You don't tell people what they should do through crisis. You lead in crisis by your example. Amen? 
You lead in crisis. You can't motivate somebody in crisis because they're going to wah, 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 wah. You got to show them where to go, how to go in, your, in how you carry yourself. And our politicians, the people on the news, the ones that are talking to us, you can see in their eyes that they're afraid. And you can see in their eyes that they want you to be taking this so serious that you look like them. I refuse to look like Trump. I mean, <laughs> no, bless, bless what he's trying to do and how he's posturing himself. But if he doesn't look worried, it looks like he doesn't care. If he didn't show this like real sense of we've got a crisis on our hands, the other party would be bashing him, saying that he just didn't care, he doesn't, he's not serious enough, and he's not taking this thing seriously. Well, there's many people that are saying that about me. And they are. But I only have one person to answer to, and you as well. You can succumb to the patterns of this world, or you can... Just be led by the Lord in whatever circumstance, whatever circle, whatever place that you find yourself in. It's real where you are. And yours is going to be different than mine. It's going to be different than Jim's. It's going to be different than Mike's. Amen? We're all in a different place, and he's growing us through it. Just don't waste it. To illustrate it further, this is really good. I'm going to read out of Luke 15 now. To illustrate it further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The, older, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the young, younger son packed up his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. This is a Jewish person, and pigs are unclean. For a job... He is placed in with the unclean to feed them. This is a crisis. <laughs> the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. This is a crisis. No, but no one gave him anything. Can you see it? Come on, in your own crisis, was it the last one or is it this one? Was it the one before, the one before? Where you found yourself in this place and saying, man, there, I, I got nothing. I don't know what to do, don't know where to go, don't know how to respond, and nobody's doing anything for me. I love this next sentence. When he finally came to his senses. Like, wow, this is stupid. You know, there's a, lot, there's a lot better way to handle this crisis than how I'm handling it right now. 
And he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food, enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. So here's what I'll do. I'll go home to my father and say, like, like really grovel, okay? Like really get down on one knee and say, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy of even being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You see his heart, like he, in his crisis, he's still going to ma- manipulate the situation. Because I'm not quite convinced that that's how he really feels. He just wants to get back in. <laughs> Are you with me? He, he's not really feeling like I've done all this, but he's like, I come to my senses and they're eating better than I am. This makes some sense. I'm going to go back there, suck up to dad, and everything's going to be just fine, right? I got it planned out. So <laughs> he returned to his father. And this is a representation in his crisis on how his father really responded. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. What does that tell you first off? That his father was looking for him. Like he's been watching that horizon each day, amen? He's looking, he's watching, he's... My son is gone. Where is he? You notice one thing? He's not out there chasing him down. Come on. He's had to to let him go eat with the swine. He had to bring him to a crisis so he could come to his senses, at least enough to where he'd come back and then he could really see who the father is. And he came to his senses, and he sees, he sees far off. All of a sudden, it's like his dad is running at him. Now, if it was my dad, I would be expecting he's running at me to beat me. <laughs> I'm not joking. And everything I would have received would have probably been in the licking, probably told me to go to the shed, probably told me everything. I told you this, I told you this, I told you this, and you still had to do this. Shame on you. How dare you do that? That would be what I would expect. If you see this father, they wore robes then and sandals. He had that thing hiked up like this, and he's running to his son. And his son can't even get the words out of his mouth. There's no hand in the air. He grabs his son, and he starts to kiss on him. Just kissing on him. Can you see... The posture of this guy who came to his senses and did he's a, he, has, he must not have any idea what I just did. He's got to still smell like pigs. He, said, he sees him just as he is. The dude hasn't showered. He got nothing to his name. He left having everything, smile on his face, went through a crisis came back like a yard dog. But the father ran at him and started smooching on him in the place that he was at. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I truly have. You think there's a little bit difference in his demeanor now about, you know what, I really have sinned against you, Father. Father. I'm not worthy of this hug. I'm not worthy of this kiss. I, I mean, I failed you. 
I've taken your, even your estate that you worked so hard for and gave it to me, and I just, I just wasted it all away. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But you can see that he didn't listen to a word. He says, he says, but the father said to the servant, he like ignored him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did that, you did that. You did. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his fi- for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead. And now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Yeah, that could be this crisis in your life. You got nothing. Not even sure how you're going to eat. Maybe starving. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you've been just ignoring him. And you find yourself in this crisis thinking, I can't go back to him. Because the last time and the last time I went away and here I am, I'm out here and i got to say I'm sorry again. I'll just go to him and say, you know, I'm really sorry about being an idiot again. And, you know, hopefully he'll pick me back. Hopefully you still love me, and hopefully I haven't done it one too many times. But today, he wants you to hear that as soon as you turned and started going towards home, he's running to you. He's running to you. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care how you smell, what you've been doing or not doing. He doesn't care. He knows that you were lost. He knows that you were dead in what you were doing. He knows that you, what you've been going through, but he says... My son was lost, but he is home. He was dead. Now he's alive. Let's party. Today. Today. Can we party today? Can we? I, yeah, I started this morning, man. <laughs> it's my party, you know. That's not good. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he he saw the party, heard the music and the dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother's back. He was told, told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry. And wouldn't even go in. His father came out. The heavenly father. You're seeing somebody getting rewarded, getting loved on that doesn't deserve it. You're seeing somebody whose life is being turned around that maybe you're a little jealous of. And I've been serving the Lord all this time, and this guy can go out and do all this stuff, and then he comes back and you give him the robe? I've been serving God all this time, and I'm not sure where my next paycheck is coming from, and you let that guy get a check for $5,000 in the mail? What gives God? It's quiet in here. 
He says, this is, his, this is how the boy is speaking to the father. All these years I've slaved for you. And never once did you do a single thing you told me to. I never refused to do a single thing you told me to do. Man, I just did it. Remember the guy? I did all this, I did all this, I did all this, right, in the last parable. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And the father said to him, look, dear son. Now, can you blame the guy? I mean, he's just been there rock solid. I'm obeying you. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. But he says, you've never done this for me, and you've never done this for me, and you've never done this for me, and you're doing it for him. It, just, it is just not right. His father said to him, look, dear, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. You've just never taken advantage of everything that I have being yours. You saw it was something you either had to earn, something that you had to work for, get rewarded for if you did the work. It's all yours anyway. Are you with me, guys? It's like everything is yours already. He's already made provision for you. You don't need anything. He's given it to you already. You don't have to beg for it, ask for it, act a certain way for it. He said it's already been given you. And when you have your in a place of need and you reach out to God and he responds in ways that are just supernatural and it's going on around you all the time right now because we're in a crisis recognize it isn't because you've done good things it's just because you've been able to be blessed by the one who has been blessing you and wants to bless you with everything he has he says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing how can you be lacking anything today I don't lack anything I don't lack anything because he said I don't. I have health and wholeness and healing and provision. I don't care what the world says. I don't care because it's not my father. It might offer a lot of things, if only, if only, if only. But I need to take full advantage of the promises that are already there and start thanking him for it before you get it because he's already done it. He says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, right? Like with thanksgiving, thank you, God, that healing is mine. Thank you that you've already healed me in Jesus' name. Thank you that you've made that provision. Thank you that I don't have to worry about my rent next month. I don't need to worry about my next month's rent. Why? Because he's already got provision for you there. He has provision for you there. He's already made provision for you there. The challenge is you trying to make it happen. All we're called to do is to be radically obedient to what he, he asks us to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he's going to make your path straight. Well, if I don't do this, how am I going to get this? You can't do this unless he blesses you or anoints you to do it. Well, I mean, just if you were a dentist today, which I can't imagine why I'd want to be a dentist, but if you were one, 
and you're out in the shop and you cut off two fingers. Crisis! Right? Could it happen? Yeah. What are you worried about? How am I, how am I, how am I, how am I gonna? How am I? I want us to say, how are you? God, how are you going to do this? How are, how are, thank you that you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it. I would love to see pictures of it. Whatever you ask me to do in it, I'll do it. Because I love you and I know that their promise is yes and amen. I can't be a dentist. I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. But whatever it is, I'm going to trust you, Lord. More than I trust my two fingers. Are we getting it? But we're getting it, but it's still right up here. It's like spinning around like this ain't making no sense to me. Because I just got to work harder. If I don't have rent, that means I work harder. And you work harder at wasting this crisis. That's good right there. Acts 17, 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs. For he has no needs. He himself gives. He has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. He satisfies most of the needs. You're listening. Every need. He satisfies every need. And I can see, I can see some of the yabots, right? What about... What if he satisfies every need? Well, what's my part? What's my part? What's my part? What's my part? Seek me first, and all these things will be added on to you. My sheep know my voice. They hear me, and they follow me. I don't know what to do today, God. I'm just going to start doing this and this and this. He says, uh, peace be in you. Take heart. I've overcome the world. At least stay here long enough to hear from me on what I think you should do. We're a perpetual motion, especially if fear kicks in. Come on. Got to work harder. Got to work harder. Got to work harder. And then somehow the wheels fall off and we think, oh, now what? Don't waste that crisis. Amen? Matthew 6, this is really good uh, sealing of this message, if you will. Matthew 6, 19 says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eats them and rust destroys them, where the thief breaks in and steals. This, this, this pandemic that we're in is causing to question a lot of things that can be eaten by moths and be rusty and destroyed. Amen? And it's shaking our world. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy 
and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to, does, do the eyes tell a story? You can look into somebody's eyes and learn so much, can't you? Hmm? You learn so much about. Because the eyes are a lamp onto your heart. So however your heart is, your eyes are reflecting. And I can see and you can see through the eyes how someone's doing. She needs the love of Jesus like crazy. All the things in this earth have failed her. Relationships, dad, family, they failed her. The eyes are showing me her heart is breaking. She's in a crisis. I can see it. This is a crisis God is not going to waste, and we're not going to waste. We're going to pray right now. Extend a hand or lay a hand or whatever that looks like, but this girl's hurting right here. Her eyes on lamp onto her heart. She needs, she needs her light to be lit up. Lord, I pray for new life for Jasmine, God. I come against the lies that have been spoken over her about her identity, about what she's, what, what she's about about her life, that she is precious, that you love her, God, more than life itself. I pray that she would begin to see herself loved by you, God, that your light would begin to shine in her, that she would be able to see herself, Lord, in this very day the way you see her, brand new, precious and chosen, that you would turn that, that her eyes onto a lamp that is lit up by the love of you, that she's able to live and move and breathe in your presence, God, and sense your love. Draw her onto yourself, God. Show her the love of Jesus in a new way that she would say, I am more than a conqueror. I am a child of the living God. I've been, been adopted by the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he calls me his own. He sees me as the apple of his eye. I'm a masterpiece in his sight. He has a destiny on my life. And I have mothers and brothers and sisters and cousins all around me right now. Family that you never thought you had. Loving on you in ways you never thought possible. And it's going to grow more and more and more and more. And thank you, God, that you would fill her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet with the love of who you are, God. That she would be to overflowing even in the place of depletion, God. That she would be full and no circumstance in this crisis would cause her. She doesn't care at all about corona. She cares about love. She, she cares about acceptance. She cares about belonging. God, that you would just reveal that she belongs to you and you've paid a very dear price for her, your own blood. We thank you that your promises are yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, God. Hmm. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. 
And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. The crisis is helping you to see that you might be, what you think is light is not light. The crisis may be allowing that thing that you thought to be light to be failing you. Whether it's job or family or relationship or finances, whatever, whatever you thought that was making you something in a bag of chips or allowing you peace or joy in your life, all of a sudden it's being faded out. Oh, what a darkness that is. Because it's giving you the understanding that there's nothing that you can do about it. Amen? It's being at the end of yourself again. Don't waste this crisis. Let's get to the end of ourselves as fast as we can. So the light that's in us, the light that lights up the world is Christ and Christ alone and the truth that He says about us. And that light, you're going to see. And I want that light to be real in your own life. Not like I pretend or whatever that is. I just want it to be real in our lives. So that truly people that see us can say, I want what you got. I just want what you got. I want what you got. Because that light is the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, you are the light of the world. When he gave us his Holy Spirit. I want to be that. I want to be the guy that I was created to be from the very beginning. God gave me a kind and gentle spirit. You and I were talking about this the other day. A kind and a gentle spirit that loved people. That wanted to do good for people. That wanted to make a difference in people's lives. To encourage them. But you know what? The world rejected that. They wanted me to be strong and tough and a daredevil and an overcomer and an overachiever and a perfectionist. And that I could conquer everything. I was supposed to be a daredevil. I was supposed to not let things bother me. I was supposed to not shed a tear. All of the things that that I was, that I knew in the very center of my being, couldn't be because they were buried by all of these things that I was never allowed to be. So my person, the person that I was in Jay, was never given a chance until the worst crisis of my life. And ever since that day, 14 years ago, I've been able to be who he says I am. I get to love people sincerely. I care about people. I get to love on Jasmine. And there's nothing she can do about it. I just get to. And it's powerful. It's so powerful. We don't have to be the strong man. We don't have to be the enforcer. We don't have to fix the stuff. We get to come under. And it's powerful. I learned that. It's more powerful than anything I did before to be the scariest guy in the room. Love is so much more powerful. And when the light is really the light, rather than look at me and look what I can do, said, look at him and look at what he can do. <laughs> He's done some amazing things in me, and now I know who I am. And the light that's in me, I came to my senses. <laughs> the light that I have in me is real, and I'm not going to give it up. I got to read the rest of this. No one can serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. And it's not just finance. We're talking about the world here. You can't be on both sides of this fence. Either the light is in him or the light is in the world. And one of them is a false. It's a, it's a counterfeit. 
That's why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Don't worry about today. Don't worry about today. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Don't, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you able, this is, aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I know it can take away from your life. It will never add to it. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live in that place in right standing, living righteously with Him. I see myself with Him. The righteousness of Christ. He sees me without spot or blemish, adopted, chosen, heir to the throne. I want to see myself in that place and walk in that place because that's a true light. Mm. And He will give you everything you need.